Chapter 6. After Tim told me about the abuse, I was into action. Amped up. We have to tell the diocese. We have to make an appointment with the Columbus Diocese right away. We went to the diocese. We didn't make Tim's story a public issue until several years later, after we found out the church didn't do the right thing. One day, Father Jacobs just disappeared. When I found out that he was moved to a diocese in Canada and continued working with children, that's when we took it to the press. But the echoes of the abuse, the impact it had had on Tim and on our marriage and family by extension, were not really fixable. I was busy trying to expose Jacobs, but even as I led the charge to do that, we were still left with the fact that it had happened. So Tim wasn't the person I thought he was. But it wasn't okay for me to say that because it wasn't okay for me to think that. Tim didn't feel the need to go to therapy. I started therapy. I demanded that it be paid for by the Columbus Diocese, which they did for nearly five years. In therapy, I decided I would go back to school. I had this fantasy of what it meant to be a therapist. I read The Road Less Traveled. I could save people, I thought something I'd always wanted to do for my mom, but never had any luck with. Tim wasn't going to be able to take care of me. I needed to figure out a way to take care of us. After his revelation and all I had been through with Clotine, I did what a lot of people do when they haven't processed their trauma. I decided I wanted to help other people. I also realized after working so many low-paying, dead-end jobs, that I wanted to be a professional with a stable career that paid better than what we had at that time. I decided that I wanted to be a psychotherapist and open a private practice. So I went back to school and earned my bachelor's degree in social work at Ohio Dominican College. Then I immediately began my master's in social work at Ohio State. The massive student loans I took out to pay for college felt at the time like a financial life preserver when we sorely needed one. They paid for childcare for my two daughters, who were only four and two when I started my master's program. The loans paid for so many expenses that we wouldn't have been able to cover otherwise. We had been kiting checks just to pay for things like diapers and groceries, and we were always in credit card debt. In fact, we used our credit limit like a bank balance. The loans reduced that daily financial stress and they meant I didn't have to work full-time so I could focus on school. This time, with a clear sense of purpose, I did focus. At Ohio Dominican, I earned good grades. Earning my MSW would allow me to get licensed as a psychotherapist, a clear goal I was intent on pursuing. I remember at this time taking a clinical diagnosis class to learn how to assess and diagnose mental illness I'd gotten my bachelor's in social work, and I was well into my master's program. But up until then, studying for these degrees had involved learning about the history of social work, community and grassroots organizing, and how to broker services, like connecting people who needed housing or food to the right resources. Clinical diagnosis was one of the first classes I'd taken that specifically focused on mental health. We studied the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 4th edition, known as the DSM-IV, 
which is the Bible of psychiatric diagnosis and is thicker than the actual Bible. I remember working through the book at home, flipping through the sections. Delirium, dementia, and amnesic and other cognitive disorders. Mental disorders due to a general medical condition. Substance-related disorders. Schizophrenia and other psychotic disorders. Mood disorders. Anxiety disorders. And so on. At this point, I was nearly 30. I hadn't lived with Clotine for over a decade. As a kid growing up, I'd never even heard of a social worker, let alone come into contact with one. Now I was learning that this entire profession was designed to help people like the kid I'd been. I wasn't that kid anymore. I had achieved my childhood ambition of getting away from Clotine, but my internships had me working with severely mentally ill people living in poverty. I worked with homeless families and with single moms who abused and neglected their children. I saw Clotine in them and myself in their children. A thought was working its way to the surface of my brain. I read through the differential diagnosis subsection in the schizophrenia category. The differential diagnosis between schizophrenia and delusional disorder rests on the nature of the delusions, non-bizarre in delusional disorder, and the absence of other characteristic symptoms of schizophrenia hallucinations, disorganized speech or behavior, or prominent negative symptoms. I moved to the diagnostic criteria for schizophrenia, a kind of checklist. One, characteristic symptoms, two or more of the following, each present for a significant portion of time during a one-month period, or less if successfully treated. Two, delusions. Three, hallucinations. Four, disorganized speech, frequent derailment or incoherence. Five, grossly disorganized or catatonic behavior. Six, negative symptoms, affective flattening, elogia, or abolition. Note, only one criterion A symptom is required if delusions are bizarre or hallucinations consist of a voice keeping up a running commentary on the person's behavior or thoughts, or two or more voices conversing with each other. I turned the page and skimmed the subheading, 295.30, paranoid type, a type of schizophrenia in which the following criteria are met. One, preoccupation with one or more delusions or frequent auditory hallucinations. I was 15. I had just gotten home from my drug emporium job. If anyone asks you to get into a car with them, say no, she told me anxiously. You make sure you say no. What are you talking about, I asked. Did you see someone? I just saw your father drive by. I was intrigued. My father? She'd always told me that he had never had any interest in us, in me. He left my mom high and dry as soon as he found out she was pregnant. That was her story. Are you sure it was him? I asked. He always drives a white Cadillac, she said. Did you talk to him? I asked. But she just repeated her worry. If anyone asks you to get into a car with them, don't do it. She was acting crazy again. I'd thrown the ball and she'd tossed back a raw egg. And I stiffened. 
contorting myself to catch it gingerly without breaking it. Mom, I said, if my dad comes by, that doesn't mean I'll move in with him or something. I don't even know him. I told her that again when she saw him drive by a few months later, and again a month after that. I always brought the same level of indignation to my performance. Come on, Mom. Why would I leave you? I felt that reassuring her was my job, a feeling reinforced by the fact that she would calm down when I reassured her. She would stop. She would scrounge up $10 and make a stack of peanut butter sandwiches so that we wouldn't starve. She would get it together for a while. I knew she was acting crazy back then at 15, but now I had words to put to it. Delusion. Paranoid. Diagnostic criteria for schizophrenia. One, social occupational dysfunction. For a significant portion of the time since the onset of the disturbance, one or more major areas of functioning such as work, interpersonal relations, or self-care are markedly below the level achieved prior to the onset, or when the onset is in childhood or adolescence, failure to achieve expected level of interpersonal academic or occupational achievement. I thought about all the times she'd quit a job without having another lined up all the times she'd moved us out of an apartment without any place to go, how she'd left four of her children in Ohio without a word and disappeared to Phoenix for 10 years. When the onset is in adolescence, failure to achieve expected level of interpersonal, academic, or occupational achievement. Curious. I felt curious as I studied the book, but lightning wasn't striking me. By the time I was paging through that DSM-4, studying for my master's degree, I didn't want to dive back into that past by mulling over whether I could get help for Clotine. She wouldn't have accepted help if I'd tried. Even as a teenager, when I lived with her, how could I have gotten my mom help? Even if I knew help existed, and even if she could have accepted it, Attempting to get her help would have been like exploding a grenade in the middle of my life. I don't know where I would have gone or whether staying with other family members, even if they could have or would have agreed to take me in, would have been a better situation. As her child, I was stuck with her until I figured out a way to move out right after high school. And now, 12 years later, as a 30-year-old, not much had changed at least when it came to what she could have gained from seeking help. She was high-functioning, living on her own, holding down a job for the most part, much better than the kind of jobs she'd had in Phoenix. She worked in offices as an assistant, and she also worked as a home health aide. She still shuffled through jobs quite often, but she lived alone and seemed able to make rent. She eventually got her medical assistant certification, what would help have looked like for her in this period of her life? Years of experimenting with types and dosages of drugs with side effects that might have made it impossible for her to work? Did she need treatment? How could she decide that for herself when she had no insight into the fact that she had a mental illness? Life was an etch-a-sketch. At first, she was able to navigate, to draw in straight lines. 
but the curves got messy. The surface got so cluttered, and every time she tried to fix it, it just got worse until there was nothing to do but shake it up and start over. She moved on to the next apartment, the next job, the next church. She left people, places, and things behind and found a sort of temporary solace in the blank canvas. The people who remained in her life long enough to see that she was more than eccentric were always the ones who minimized, miscategorized, and ignored her behavior. Even those people have their limits. Her fellow churchgoers tolerated her. Even the one who whispered in my ear, there's something wrong with your mom. The gulf between whispers about Clotine's eccentric behavior and words like mental health treatment and schizophrenia was far too wide for Clotine and me to traverse alone. Now, sitting with the Bible of mental illnesses and disorders open in front of me, I thought, could she have a diagnosable mental illness and not just be someone with lousy judgment and extreme impulsivity? Then I put the thought aside, busy with my own life, an intense schedule of classes, internships, my marriage, taking care of two girls barely out of diapers, and advocating on Tim's behalf to have Phil Jacobs disciplined for sexual abuse. I had year-long periods where I didn't see Clotine at all. Then when I was working toward my master's and my kids were little, she moved to live nearer to us. Nearer as in next door, or down the block, or behind our house. She moved a lot. I had daycare for the kids when I was in school and Tim was at work and we didn't ask anyone to watch the kids much otherwise. Tim and I didn't do date nights or take weekend trips together. But a handful of times, I let Clotine watch my girls when they were babies. The tasks involved with watching children required a level of common sense and judgment that she couldn't reach. I realized this when I picked up the girls after she'd watched them for an afternoon. My younger daughter, Rachel, who was four, was upset and crying. My mom explained she had spanked Rachel, but for what she couldn't articulate coherently. When we got home, Rachel told me she didn't want to go back. I didn't want to wonder or worry, so from then on, we never left the kids with her. I lived my life. My children grew. I graduated with my master's degree in clinical social work. I completed a postgraduate program in Gestalt psychotherapy. I credit Clotine for my belief in myself during that time. She has always believed I could do anything. I went from call center employee to a master's program graduate. When I actually started practicing social work, it unnerved me. It was too close. In my first job, I worked with severely mentally ill people at a community mental health center. Then I took a job at a shelter for homeless families. As I worked with homeless single moms, I had no empathy for these women. I was projecting my mom onto them and I felt defensive for the children upon whom I was projecting myself. I told myself that I just needed to get out of community mental health and into private practice where I could work with middle-class folks because I believed they had fixable problems. <laughs> 